Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're so glad that you were able to join us tonight. We want to uh, look into the Word of the Lord and uh, be able to grow in Him some tonight, I hope. And I believe that uh, everything is written for a purpose, everything's done for a purpose, and I believe that we're in for a great <clears throat> future in the church. Praise God. I want to uh, let you know just by way of announcement, next Wednesday night we won't be on live um, because it's Thanksgiving and we've always taken the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving off. So this is going to be my Thanksgiving message tonight. <clears throat> we want to share this with you uh, this evening. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, we'll have our normal Sunday service, but then we're also getting ready for our concerts coming up on the 5th and the 6th, and there's still a few tickets left if you want to go to spiritofgracechurch.org and uh, just follow the prompts and you can purchase your tickets there. It's going to be a great night of worship and kicking off the Christmas season. Praise God. Well, I want to talk a little bit tonight about Thanksgiving and I want to read uh, an article that I thought was very appropriate, um, at least if I was in charge of Thanksgiving. And it simply goes like this, Mary Martha Stewart will not be dining with us this Thanksgiving. I'm telling you in advance, so don't act surprised. Since Miss Stewart won't be coming, I've made a few small changes. Our sidewalk will not be lined with homemade paper bag luminaries. After a trial run, it was decided that no matter how cleverly done, rows of flaming lunch sacks do not have the desired welcoming effect. Once inside, our guests will note the, that the entry hall is not decorated with the swags of Indian corn and fall foliage, that I had planned to make on my own. Instead, I've gotten the kids involved in the decorating by having them track a colorful load of leaves from the front yard, and the mud was their idea. The dining table will not be covered with expensive linen or fancy china or crystal goblets. If possible, we will use dishes that match, and everyone might get a fork. And since this is Thanksgiving, we will refrain from using the plastic Peter Rabbit plate and the Santa napkins from last Christmas. Our centerpiece will not be a tower of fresh fruit and flowers that I promised. Instead, we'll be displaying a hedgehog-like decoration handcrafted from the finest construction paper. The artist assures me it's a turkey. We will be dining fashionably late. The children will entertain you while you wait. I'm sure they'll be happy to share every, every choice comment I made regarding Thanksgiving, the pilgrims, and the turkey hotline. Please remember that most of these comments were made at 5 a.m. upon discovering that the turkey was still hard enough to cut diamonds. And as an accompaniment to the children's recital, I will also be playing a record of some tribal drumming. If the children should mention to you that I don't own a recording of tribal drumming or that tribal drumming sounds suspiciously like a frozen turkey in a clothes dryer, ignore them. They're lying. We toyed with the idea of ringing a dainty silver bell to announce the start of our feast, but in the end we chose to keep our traditional method. We've also decided against a formal seating arrangement. So when the smoke alarm sounds, please gather around the table and sit where you would like. In the spirit of harmony, we will ask the children to sit at a separate table in a separate room next door. Now, I, I know you've all seen pictures uh, of one person carving a turkey in front of a crowd and of appreciative onlookers. This will not be happening at our dinner. For our safety reasons, the turkey will be carved in a private ceremony. I stress private, meaning do not, under any circumstances, enter the kitchen to laugh at me. Do not, or do not send small, unsuspecting children to check on my progress. 
I have an electric knife. The turkey is unarmed. It stands to reason that I will eventually win. When I do, we will eat. I would like to take this opportunity to remind my young diners that passing the rolls is not a football play, nor is it a request to bean your sister in the head with a warm, tasty bread. Oh, and one reminder for the adults. For the duration of the meal, and especially while in the presence of you uh, diners, we will refer to the giblet gravy by its lesser known name, cheese sauce. If a young diner questions you regarding the origins or type of the cheese sauce, plead ignorance. Cheese sauce stains. Before I forget, there is one last change. Instead of offering a choice between 12 different scrumptious desserts, we will be serving the traditional pumpkin pie garnished with whipped cream and small fingerprints. You will have a choice. Take it or leave it. Martha Stewart will not be dining with us this Thanksgiving. She probably won't come next year either, but I'm still thankful. And uh, that's the kind of the way our Thanksgiving usually happens if I was in charge. Thankfully, I'm not the one that's in charge, so we'll be eating well on Thanksgiving. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Psalm 103, Thanksgiving always brings out great memories of the start of our nation uh, and how we began to become this great America. And I'm, I'm appreciative of that. So we're, I want to read from Psalm 103 tonight, Psalm 103. And I want to speak on this subject. There's five kernels of corn. Five kernels of corn. Psalm 103 says this, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Amen. The, the pilgrim fathers who landed at Plymouth Rock, you know, over 300 years ago, knew nothing of the affluent times that you and I enjoy today. Uh, the next time you and I are tempted really to complain about inflation, deflation, the state of our economy, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I just want to remind you of the following. During that first long winter at Plymouth Colony, seven times, seven times as many graves were made for the dead as there were homes for the living. And the ship that was to bring food and relief actually only brought 35 more mouths to feed but not an ounce of provision. Uh, touching indeed is the picture of William Brewster rising from a Plymouth dinner consisting of a plate of clams and a glass of water to thank God, quote, for the abundance of the sea and the treasures hid in the sand. The pilgrims didn't have much, but they possessed a great attitude and gratitude, and it was upon this very thing that this great country, America, was built. These stalwart people strong, devout, and sincere were the timbers upon which our nation was founded. 
and these these uh, pilgrims had a custom. Their custom was that they would put five kernels of corn upon each empty plate before dinner of Thanksgiving was served. And each member of the family would pick up a kernel and tell what they were thankful for. It was to remind them that the first pilgrims were in such dire straits that their allowance was only five kernels of corn per person each day. You and I have many reasons to be thankful, and so I want to do that tonight and take five kernels of corn, if you will, and using this psalm that we just read as a basis, I want to thank God for five things. In this psalm, David calls upon his body, mind, soul, and spirit to make one great symphony of music and praise about the benefits that God has graciously given him. And so I want to give you my five kernels of thanksgiving tonight. The first one is found in verse 3 at the beginning of, of, of that verse, and that is the kernel of forgiveness. Uh, the Bible says he forgives all of our sins. Excuse me. <clears throat> and uh, one day a fellow was visiting with his pastor in, in, in the parsonage or in the home there with the pastor, and he picked up a book that was on the stand and he began to read. And suddenly he shouted, Glory! Praise the name of the Lord! And so the pastor asked him, what's the matter with you? And the visitor replied, this book says that in certain places the sea is five miles deep. Well, yeah, that's, that's right, the pastor said. What of it? The visitor responded, Why, the Bible says that my sins have been cast into the depth of the sea, and it's, if, that's deep, if it's that deep, I'm not afraid of them ever coming up again. You see, the pressure of the water is so great at that depth that if the largest battleship could be sunk to that depth, it would be crushed like an eggshell. There's no mistaking it. God offers forgiveness, and tonight I'm thankful for his forgiveness. Anybody can repent and forsake their sin, and God, the Bible says in, 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 in John, in 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And, and here's the thing. The, the promise of forgiveness, or this kernel of corn about forgiveness is a promise that God made to us and provided for us at Calvary. When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, it wasn't a one-time statement of forgiveness, but he was speaking into uh, the, the future. He was speaking to 2020. He was speaking to me and he was speaking to you and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, his forgiveness has been proclaimed throughout the Bible and it's required by us, the church, to forgive one another so that we're able to receive forgiveness. You may be listening tonight and you may wonder, well, I, I don't know that I've ever really been forgiven. Well, could it be that you haven't felt forgiveness because you haven't been forgiving? As much as you want to receive forgiveness, one of the requirements is that you're willing to forgive. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And, uh, so I'm thankful for forgiveness, and from the depths of our hearts, a gratitude should arise and, and well up. It should rise like an incense to the throne of God, and it should be a sweet-smelling savor to him. And uh, I'm so thankful that God saw fit to forgive me and continues to forgive me, even when I mess up, even when I sin, even when I make a mistake, when I don't have the right attitude, when I don't have the right perspective. I can turn to him and he is still 
after all these years, faithful and just to forgive us our sin. That's my first kernel of corn tonight. My second kernel of corn is the kernel of redemption. I read this in verse 4 of that psalm. He says, who redeems your life from the pit. The London Times published uh, the prices paid for art objects in all of the sales rooms of the world. And if a painting is sold in New York or Paris or Rome or London, the Times gives the full details for the sale. And you can judge the value of a particular painting by the price that was paid for it. And we can judge our value by the price that Jesus paid for us. That means that we're of high value, the depths into which he had to reach in order to redeem us. We are worth the masterpiece that we are because Jesus loved us so much that he paid the ultimate price. The Bible even says it this way, greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Former Governor Neff of Texas uh, spoke to the assembled convicts uh, of the penitentiaries of that state years ago. And he finished by saying that he would remain to listen if any man wanted to speak with him. So when the meeting was over, a large group of men remained. Many of them were uh, men that were convicted uh, for a lifetime or sentenced to a lifetime. And so one by one, they each told the governor that he was there because he was framed. It wasn't his fault. He wasn't really guilty. It was injustice. It was a justice blunder, if you will. Each asked to be freed. Finally, one man came up and he said this. Governor, I just want to say that I'm guilty. I did what they sent me here to do, or for, but I believe I've paid for it. If I were freed today, I would do everything I could to be a good citizen and to prove myself worthy of your mercy. The governor pardoned this man, and when asked why, he said because he admitted his guilt. So it is with you and I, if we are to be redeemed from this sentence of death for the wages of sin— uh, our, our death, the wages of sin will destroy us. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The difference is this. We can't say that we've paid for really any of our sins because as the old hymn said, Jesus paid it all, all to him I own. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. And so if you and I will plead the blood of, uh, of the lamb, God will redeem us. I'm thankful tonight, my kernel of thanks, or my kernel of corn, if you will, tonight is that he redeems us. And not only does the Lord redeem us from the pits of hell, but he also redeems us, or our lives, if you will, from the clutches of our enemy. Satan is bent on destroying our souls and destroying our lives. But thanks be to God who redeems our lives from his power and offers us the opportunity to live outside of that entrapment, but we are able to live free. All you have to do is look at all of our penitentiaries, hospitals, halfway houses. They're all filled with people whose lives the enemy is trying to destroy. But Jesus said this, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are on that road. But he also went on to say, like the psalmist said, he lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's Psalm 40. I believe that God is wanting to take all of those are on that that are on that 
uh, in that wide gate on that broad way, and, and he's wanting to take all of those that are, are losing out, if you will, and he's wanting to redeem them. He's wanting to make them right in the eyes of the Lord, and that's the reason why we can give thanks for his redemption. His redemption power. We were designed to be redeemed. The first Corinthians or first, yeah, first Corinthians 5:19 says to wit that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. The purpose he came was for reconciliation, for restoration, for redemption. And so the first thing that we have to be thankful for tonight is his forgiveness. The second thing we have tonight to be thankful for tonight is his redemption. The third kernel tonight on our empty plate, if you will, our third kernel is the kernel of healing. Verse 3 in this passage that we read out of Psalms 103 says, Who heals all your diseases? Who heals all your diseases? And when I first considered this passage of Scripture, I was reluctant to use this because I couldn't reconcile it with the fact that God doesn't heal everyone who has an incurable disease, if you will. But I believe there's some, there's some important uh, truths in this statement that I want to address. All healing is divine healing, and all recovery from sickness, injury, and surgery is uh, from the, a result of the healing properties that God has built into our bodies. As most of you know, I, I, I fought with a saw a couple months ago, and messed up my fingers pretty good and and you know they put a couple of stitches in but it's really been the healing power of the created body that has uh, I'm almost back to full use of my hand and and I'm thankful for that but uh it, watching the healing process since the end of September till now it's been amazing to watch and I haven't done anything but protect it but to watch how God built into our bodies a healing power if you will uh, I, I know that medicine and surgery and doctors and physicians, they're really extensions of God's healing ministry. And uh, this verse doesn't say that God heals everyone's diseases. He says he heals all diseases. In other words, it doesn't matter what the disease is, he's able to heal it. He doesn't always do it the way we think of, but there is no disease or sickness that lies beyond his healing power, not even those that we call incurable. He is the great physician. And the main truth that I learned that the psalmist is trying to speak to our spirit tonight is simply this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who heals all diseases. The diseases of the soul emanate from the virus of sin. And Jesus identified this virus and its symptoms and its disorders in Matthew 15 19 and 20, he said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. So just as surely as some disorders of the body can be cured by medicines and surgery and uh, the other things of the medical field, the soul of the man can be cleansed, it can be purged, it can be purified, and it can be made whole when the God, when when the Holy Spirit of the Lord is allowed to possess us uh, completely, I will also say this: I believe that God heals every righteous individual. He just may not heal them on this side of eternity. It's been now uh, coming up this coming February. It will all it will be nine years 
uh, since my father passed away in February of 2012. And uh, I still can't tell you why God allowed him to go home, but here's he, he died of pancreatic cancer. Uh, I won't understand that until I get to heaven. And, and by the time I get to heaven, I may not care why, uh, but we'll see all things clearly then. Right now we see through a glass darkly. But here's what I will tell you is the last breath that my dad took here on this earth, he was healed by the touch of the Lord. The, the, the cancer didn't follow him into his eternity. The cancer was removed. It, was, it, it died with his body. And when his body is resurrected at the last trump, when the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain, cancer will not rise with him, but his body will rise. You see, we're all going to be healed eventually, whether it be in this world. Now, I believe that God can heal miraculously in a moment at any point in time that he wants to. I believe that when God uh, begins to move in the body of Christ, that, that his healing can come. I know of stories. I've seen it. I've been around it. I've been healed myself. I understand that God can do miracles and signs and wonders, but sometimes he just lets us go home and the miracle is in the next world and the recovery is in the next world. And in that case, uh, I know this uh, without a shadow of a doubt, my dad has enjoyed his last nine years in the presence of Christ as a healed member of the kingdom of God. So uh, I'm thankful for that he can heal, and I'm thankful that there is not one disease that he cannot handle. Uh, COVID is nothing to him. He can handle this COVID pandemic. He can handle, he, he can do it all. Whatever it is, he's able to do it. So then my fourth kernel of corn, if you will, is the kernel of love and compassion. Verse four of the passage we read that says he crowns you with love and compassion. There was a man by the name of Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman, and in one of his meetings, a man rose and gave uh, a remarkable testimony. He said this, I got off at the Pennsylvania Depot one day as a tramp. For a year, I begged on the streets for a living. One day, I touched a man on the shoulder and said, Mr., please give me some money so I can have something to eat. As soon as I saw his face, I recognized him as my father. Father, don't you know me? I asked, throwing his arms around me, he cried. I found you, I found you. All I have is yours. Think of it, that I, a tramp, stood begging my father for a few cents when for 18 years he had been looking for me to give me all that he was worth. Uh, that, that's really a picture of us today. In all actuality, we are tramps. We are poor. We are wretched. On our own, we'll never make it. On our own, we're going to starve. On our own, we're going to become thirsty. On our own, we're going to become dehydrated. And we get excited because when we finally speak up, the attention is, and we see our Heavenly Father looking at us, and the whole time he's been there saying, listen, I've been wanting to give you all that is mine. I want to release all that is in heaven into your life but uh, but you've needed to come and recognize who I am, and you've needed to ask. The Bible says, ask, and it shall be given to you. The Bible says, seek, and you shall find. The Bible says, knock, and it shall be opened to you. There is something that he, he crowns us with love and compassion. I'm not saying that God is always going to give us 
that material blessing. I'm not, I'm not telling you that if you pray for a million dollars, you're going to get a million dollars. What I am going to say is that when the time is right, he's ready to give you that which you need, that which will provide for you, that which will be uh, provision both financially, physically, uh, emotionally, nutritionally. And I believe that God knows exactly what each one of us need, and he crowns us with love and compassion. Can I also say that what a part of that is, I believe that God puts into us a desire to touch people's lives, to minister to one another. There's something that happens when we allow the presence of God to manifest itself in us to where we our heartbeat changes. Uh, he begins to allow our heart to beat with his heart, and he begins to allow us to see others through his eyes and, and, and see others through the, the, the power uh, of compassion and love. You have to remember that the Bible says in Philippians 2 that Jesus uh, gave it all up so that he could that he could make a way for you and I to get back to where he was wanting us to be. It, it was him that gave it uh, up to us. He, it was him that paid the ultimate price. It was Jesus' love and compassion. He loves you so much that he will go to great lengths to reach you, to to call you, to bless you, to surround you with people that love you, to surround you with the love of the uh, of God. I pray tonight that somebody that's lonely would feel the embrace of the master. Let it be a physical embrace, God, in their lives. Let them sense you like they've never sensed. But let the peace that passes all understanding settle into their home right now and allow love and compassion to be their crown. Let them feel the heartbeat of God. And as you were moved with compassion, Lord, for others, let them be moved with compassion towards others as well. I pray that in these days, especially as we're dealing with all the things that are going on, that we would take the crown of love and compassion and our heart would begin to beat like God wants it to beat, that our eyes would see like the that, like God wants us to see, that our ears would hear like God wants us to hear so that we can move into the, the, the river, if you will, or the flow of what God is doing in this hour because God is doing some amazing things. You may not be seeing it on the mainstream news. You may not see it in the newspapers, but there is an undercurrent of the Spirit of God that is flowing through this country that I haven't felt in a very long time. I sense it when I read posts. I sense it when I listen to music. I sense it when we're preaching at church. I sense it even now as we're sharing the word of the Lord. There is an undercurrent of the Holy Ghost that is shaking the things that need to be shaken, and the things that cannot be shaken are going to remain. And the Bible says this, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. I'm standing on the promises of the word that will not pass away, the word that cannot be shaken. And in that word, I find love and I find compassion. It doesn't say to be angry. It doesn't say to be wrathful. It doesn't say to, to, to be revengeful. In fact, it says, vengeance is mine. Say that he says love and compassion is what we should be crowned with. Love and compassion. That's the fourth kernel of thanksgiving. My fifth kernel tonight is the kernel of satisfaction and renewal. Verse 5 of Psalm 103, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. 
It reminds me of the words of Jesus given in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled or they shall be satisfied. There, there's a great paradox in this statement. We're satisfied, but we're never satisfied. Now, when I was in college, uh, I was blessed to be the youth pastor where I was at. And there was a couple there and uh, that kind of took me under their wings, became my friends, and uh, phenomenal people. Well, she was a fantastic cook, and she made, uh, I, I lived in the dorm, so I, I was lucky to get, you know, whatever was available to eat. Uh, but she, from time to time, would give me, and it became probably my favorite meal, and there's no perfect word for it, so I just labeled it chicken stuff. And uh, I, I love chicken stuff. I don't even know what's all in it. My wife got the recipe. She's been making it since we've been married. And it's the best stuff in the world. And I'm always satisfied when I eat some of it. But as soon as I taste a little bit of it, I'm ready for seconds. I'm ready for more because what I've experienced, it makes me want to taste it again and again. So it is with righteousness. In fact, the Bible says this. He says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I just tell you, I have a, a belief in, in the things of God that we don't need to manufacture something. We just need to make sure the meal is prepared well and the service is good. Because if there is a restaurant that serves good food and they serve it well, I'm going to go back over and over and over again. doesn't even really matter what the cost is. I'll save up if I have to to go. But when you go to a restaurant that doesn't give you good food or good service, chances are I'm not going to come back. And that's really what the church is today. The church has to be somebody that prepares a good meal from the Word of God, good meat, if you will, good nutrition from the Word of the Lord that is taste and see that the Lord is good. And when we present that in a service, in a mindset of service, people will want to have more and more of that, even though they may not even understand what's in it. I couldn't tell you the first thing that's in that other than chicken and carrots. That's it. But anytime that my wife can make it and I know she's watching this right now, so there's a hint, honey. Um, but anytime I can have it, uh, I, I'm all for it. And uh, I want to thank Terry for making it way back when so that I can fall in love with it over and over again. But uh, that's the same way with Jesus. Over and over and over again, the more I taste of him, the more I want to have a part of him. The more I experience him, the more uh, hungry and thirsty I get. So while I get satisfied, we sit in the presence of God and the, the glory of God settles on us and we almost take a big sigh of relief and we're so moved and inspired by that. But at the same time, we're satisfied. There's something that, that, that pushes us into the next move. God, okay, what's next? What's the, I want a little bit more. And um, the Bible says, is, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The, the song says, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. And uh, uh, that, that's really what, what the, the psalmist, the kernel of satisfaction and renewal. There's something that happens. When we seek God's righteousness, he grants it. Psalm 107 says it this way. He has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. I'm so thankful that he satisfies and that he renews. Uh, there was a famous surgeon who was seldom seen on the streets without a beautiful fresh rose 
in his lapel, and his friend his friends wondered why these buds stayed fresh for so long a time. And when they asked him his secret, he turned the back of the flap of his coat and revealed a little bottle of water that he put the stem of the flower in that he inserted. And so it really is with a believer. Uh, as long as we draw from the great resources of the Lord, as long as the stems of our lives are in the waters and we're drawing from the nutrients of the word of God and the presence of God, the Bible says this, that his spirit is like springs of living water uh, flowing out from us. As long as we keep the the, the the springs flowing, as long as we keep our lives in the water of the spirit, it's he gives us more fragrance, more we become beautiful as the days and the years go by, and, and we will always be a blessing to others because of what God is doing in us by the Spirit. But, but that's not the end of that. Uh, yes, he satisfies us, but the Bible says he will also renew my youth like the eagle's. An eagle is amazing. And here in Minnesota, if you drive down by the St. Croix, you can watch the bald eagles, uh, and they're amazing to watch. And But but the eagles are known really for, for three main things. One, size. Second is strength and longevity. And it's also known for its annual molting. So this is a this is the result of living a fulfilled, satisfied life spiritual life. I am constantly being renewed as an eagle. I'm constantly being refreshed. I'm constantly being revived. I'm molting some. I'm shedding that which has become heavy. The Bible says it this way in the book of Hebrews. Let us lay aside the weight that so easily besets us. Not just the sin, but the weight. Uh, the weight doesn't necessarily need to be sinful. It just is the old skin, if you will. It's the old weights in our lives. And and when we, the Bible says that he will not only satisfy us, but he will renew our youth like an eagle's. We'll molt that off, we'll shed that heaviness off, and we'll begin to soar again. And he will give us divine strength, and he will give us divine longevity. The longer we stay closer to the Lord, the Bible assures us, the longer we're going to stay closer to the Lord. I know that sounds redundant, but you'll get it here in a minute. When you're staying close to the Lord, it's easier to stay close to the Lord. When you're in tune with him, it's easier to stay in tune with him. When you get out of tune, it's kind of like the old dial radios. We, you know, It's all digital now, but I was raised with a stereo that had the old dial and an 8-track. Uh, and that just kind of dates me a little bit. But the dial, you know, you, you're, you're trying to get it to where the static isn't there, and you just move it just a little bit, and it gets out. But then when you got the, the nice sound, you were able to just leave it, and it would stay. That's really what happens when he's renewing us. We get some static in our life, and he has to fine-tune us, and, and God steps in. And, and the Bible says to be thankful for that because we're satisfied on the one hand, but he also renews us on the other hand and allows us to become more and more like him so that we can soar like the eagles. And uh, that's why the Psalms, psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul. So in the next week or so, uh, we have entered into the Thanksgiving, at least for some of us uh, with the way we do our business. I, I'm, I'm in quote unquote my holiday week at work. So all my days are mixed around to work around the holiday. But I believe that we have entered into a season of thanksgiving. And I'm going to ask you tonight, I'm going to challenge you 
don't skip the Thanksgiving season and jump right into Christmas. We'll start Christmas the first weekend of December. December 5th and 6th is our concert. We'll kick off Christmas then. But between now and then, we have entered into a spirit of Thanksgiving. And we need to pick up the mantle of the pilgrims when they put those five kernels of corn on an empty plate and each one shared what they were thankful for in order to better understand uh, what provision they had actually been given by the Lord. I'm so glad for what God has done for me. I can't imagine, I don't know how people live without him. Uh, I can't imagine my life without the Lord. My, the Lord has done so much for me. He's given me so much. He's led me so many places. Um, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have the family that I have. If it wasn't for God, it, I wouldn't have the home that I have. I wouldn't have the job that I have. It, it's really all, it, looking back from here to my past, it, it's really God that's lined everything up. And God has put me into the position that he wants me to be in. And, and so it, it, it challenges me to be thankful. And can I just tell you that I understand as much as anybody does that the times that we are living in can become stressful. They can become overwhelming. Uh, they can cause some anxiety. I know here in Minnesota, uh, we, we've just stepped back into uh, some pandemic protocols where some people's jobs might be uh, on the line temporarily. Uh, some, uh, some restaurants are closing down, so some servers and that. Uh, are going to be struggling. But can I just tell you that no matter how bad it gets in this world, if you're in hand in hand with Jesus, you can still be thankful. In fact, I'm thankful tonight that Paul said it in such a way to the Thessalonica church. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he says this, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I want you to notice that as we come to a close tonight, I want you to notice what Paul really says. He doesn't say, thank God for everything. He said, in everything, give thanks. He said, basically what he's saying is, when you're in the storm, give thanks. When it's peaceful, give thanks. When the blessings are flowing, give thanks. When you're searching, give thanks. When you're struggling, give thanks. In every situation, give thanks. Because it doesn't matter what situation you're in, the blessings of the Lord are still going to be available. And, and even if it's the one kernel of corn, even if it's like William Brewster said, thank God for clams and water. And, and, and I don't know what all is going to happen in years to come. I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't know how all the end time things are going to play out. But here's what I do know, that God promised us to never leave us nor forsake us. So until that trumpet sounds, we can trust and be thankful that he's right here. He sees exactly where we're at. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows what we're feeling. He knows the questions we have. He knows the peace we have. He knows the grace we have. He knows it all. And so if he knows it all and he's with you, you might as well not worry about it or do what Paul said to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious about nothing, but by prayer and supplication make your requests known unto God. So again, I want to challenge you, take up 
this five kernel of corn blessing and figure out what you're thankful for. Tonight, I'm thankful for forgiveness. I'm thankful for redemption. I'm thankful for the things of God that cause healing. Uh, by his stripes, we are healed. I'm thankful for love and compassion. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Lord. I'm thankful that he makes me to rise up like an eagle. I'm thankful that I can drink at the springs of living water and quench every thirst that I have. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Praise God. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. God bless you, and if we don't see you on Sunday, uh, either online or in person, we want to wish you a happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving in the hands of the Lord, in the blessings of the Lord. Just rest in his arms. God bless, in Jesus' name.